What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. One of my major flaws is that I find myself pushing my ideas onto people. It's probably why I have a podcast. I've searched far and wide to test and theorize all that I believe and continue to test and theorize all that I believe so that natural process of all that effort put in leads to being somewhat in love with the ideas that I come up with. Sometimes that can be troublesome because in the preserving of what you have already acquired, what I have already acquired, as far as knowledge or anything, Sometimes your hand isn't open enough once you are so in love with what you have already acquired and want to preserve it that it leaves your hand not open enough to receive the next thing meant for you. So I constantly have this internal tension inside me to upgrade everything about what I know while at the same time paying the utmost reverence to what it is that I have figured out by way of acting it out and carrying it out in the world wholeheartedly, like it is me. This tension between what I believe and what else is possibly out there to believe is most present in dialogue and disagreements that I have. And luckily, I retain some humility in the general course of my life. So if a disagreement is not handled well, at least selfishly, I do my part to reflect so that the message isn't completely lost for me in the cloud of the messenger and their invoked emotions. The reality is, unless practiced and unless there is a foundation between the two parties disagreeing, the window of openness is somewhat closed. And for some people, even in retrospect, so the way you have the conversation, and for some people, that carries over even in retrospect. So the way you have the conversation can make them even a firmer believer of what they went in with. As the emotional resonance that you invoked in that conversation continues to block any possible lessons, even in reflection, even in retrospect. And as someone who plays out this tension in real time, out loud, on this podcast, between who I am and who I am to be, that requires the shedding of who I am today, as someone who plays that out loud for you, who you get to see the before being shed and the after hopefully having shed and is willing to bear that, I thought it was important to talk about how a person can disagree in a healthy way that leaves room for continual growth and expansion. So you set the stage where growth and expansion is to be expected and the shedding of who you used to be is to be expected. So you aren't so committed 
and you don't escalate in your commitment to what it is you have already committed to. But because this topic is so vast from the openness actually being its own personality trait in the big five with the unique differences in humans leading to some just not being as open as others. And you have to accept that. I will try and focus on some of the tactical aspects because this topic is so vast and I can't go into all of it of what needs to be in place, these tactical things that need to be in place for a healthy disagreement while openly taking for granted some of the other facets that would be too much to cover on this podcast. One of Ray Dalio's principles is that disagreeing must be done efficiently because they have the possibility of being time-consuming disagreements and can quickly degenerate the dysfunction. It's important to learn how to manage them well based on some core principles like idea meritocracy, what has the most merit, believability of the parties involved, who has the competence in the department that they are speaking about that gives them a higher level of believability that should be taken into account when having a disagreement. They should, a person who is more believable should be given more weight in a conversation that has something to do with their area of expertise. And then some of the other softer aspects of relational engagement that should be talked about that allow an environment where disagreements can be more than just a waste of time in the first place. Because again, disagreements need to be efficient because they can be time-consuming and a complete waste of time. So managing them well is something really important to do. And that's based on some core ideas. And it is also of utmost importance because without Figuring out how to manage discourse, how to maintain discourse, how to make sure discourse stays around. Because without discourse, when there is a cultural gridlock between two sides that can fail to come to see each other as even valid in their own right, not even for agreement, but for acknowledgement, when we find ourselves in such a gridlock, when we are unable to ease the tension and friction through communication when you are unable to get out of a gridlock because communication cannot move forward, then you have the makings of civil discontent and possible war. And it isn't that both sides need to come together and compromise, but they do need to come together to discuss at least how to both together create a path forward to peace that works for both sides. Again, for that to even be possible, though, the people involved need to possess certain qualities to make disagreement not dissolve into decay. There needs to be a level of security the person has within their own self and have to feel that part of them is not threatened by engaging in anything outside of what they consider is themselves already, whatever they identify with. 
So much of whatever you meet that person at is variable and shaped by each individual's past experiences and past rapport and the story they tell themselves. But we can't go into all of that because much of all of that is out of your hands. So it leaves you only to focus on the things that are in your circle of influence, the things that you can actually affect, no matter how you meet the person, which is putting in place what is necessary for discourse to even happen and disagreement to turn into learning and a way forward. The main thing to keep in the background of all disagreement is that the end goal is synergy. If you've read The Seven Habits, it's habit six of The Seven Habits. Synergy is the highest activity in all life and does require a lot of things to be in place personally and independently before it can be of help in interdependent relationships. Meaning you need to get a lot of things right for synergy to even happen. There's a whole background of things a person needs to come to the table with, a lot of personal work that you have had to have done, and then a lot of work that you have or are willing to do in this interdependent relationship. What synergy then allows for is creation. To allow for something new to be created and to create The people involved have to have a spirit of adventure, a willingness to abandon what they know, a spirit of discovery. A person needs to feel secure, though, for that to even happen. A person needs to feel secure to voluntarily head into the terrifying parts of the creative process where much is unknown and you have no idea how it's going to turn out. And then you can see how this diffuses the idea of disagreement altogether. Because the resolution of most disagreement might lead you to believe that it should be heading towards a compromise or one person convincing the other person of something, when in reality, it isn't that at all. Instead, it's the coming together of two to create something new altogether that wasn't available to either party alone. It's the quintessential example of the whole being more than the sum of the parts. Traditional collaboration will lead you to believe that one plus one equals two. And compromise between people or one winning or proving something over another is a one plus one equal one exchange where nothing new is gained and there is no net add-on. But the synergistic process and the creation of something new means 1 plus 1 may equal 8 or 16 or some exponential return. This process is above where one person concedes some ideas, gives some, or takes some. Instead, it's what the Buddhists call the middle way. The middle does not mean compromise. It means higher, like the apex of a triangle. It's the coming together to create a higher path forward in which the desires 
the beliefs, the concerns, the needs of both parties, of all parties, are pulled together. That leads to the creation of something magical that did not exist before. It cannot exist without each other. It cannot be created without each. So what can help? Or what keeps us from disagreeing and evolving and instead dissolving and decaying? A lot of it has to do with the emotional bank account of each relationship. A lot of it boils down to trust. And the second half of it boils down to the genuine acknowledgement that are present in the unique differences in each person and how that actually adds to the whole. But when trust is low, cooperation is low. As trust increases, you go from what is the lowest level of communication, which is defensive and each party seeking a win or lose or lose or win outcome, depending on the temperament of the person. Some people want to win because that's what their ego tells them to do. And some people want to lose because their ego tells them to people please. But as trust increases, you go from this lowest level, which is defensive, where each party is in this win or lose or lose or win outcome, to then you elevate from that to then a medium level of trust and cooperation, which is a respectful level of trust and cooperation, where compromise may happen to then maybe you elevate to the highest level and ultimately the most synergistic level where win-win is possible. A win-win level of trust and cooperation where new solutions are created altogether. And in the lowest level, the person is naturally protective and they rely on legalistic, logical rationale to justify their stands and to cover their basis. And in the middle position, the respectful one, while it is more respectful, and this is where more polite people, mature people find themselves often, while it may lead to a bit of intellectual understanding of each other's stance, it does not allow for the deep empathetic interaction where paradigms and assumptions can be shed and where it may lead to opening up new possibilities. Respectful communication works to produce a low form of win-win, where creative possibilities are not opened up and new solutions are not imagined because the depth wasn't explored. The person doesn't really have this intimate connection because there isn't enough trust for there to be enough cooperation. But then there is this highest position, this is, again, we're talking tactically of what you can do, regardless of what a person comes to the table with, how you can have a relationship with them that leads to synergy. And the highest position, the synergistic one of high trust produces solutions better than any of the proposed, originally proposed solutions by either of the party. 
And the problem that keeps us from reaching these higher levels is fundamentally rooted in our current flawed paradigms that we've already adopted and are in love with, what you've already learned and what you think is necessary to survive. And the problem is that we have highly dependent people trying to succeed in an independent reality. We're either dependent on our fragile egos that are hardened to protect, so we borrow strength from our power position, our position of power, to win each disagreement, or we've learned the opposite, to be people pleasers to survive and are dependent on that validation of the other person, and we go for lose-win. We are willing to lose to let the other person win to people please. Either way, when we are playing out this dynamic in a relationship, we are in the lowest rung of trust and intimacy and lowest levels of cooperation in which creation cannot survive. It cannot happen. Secondly, when a person is insecure, possibly me, when I find myself pushing ideas onto other people, you are so insecure in your understanding of that matter and that you cannot even handle a poke test to that thing that you have chose to believe without getting triggered. That what happens instead is you live in trying to put all your effort into creating clones of yourself to mold people to your thinking in your insecurity to overlook the fact that another point of view actually makes you more durable, that someone else could believe something that might also be right, and that their point of view might lead you to learn something that you don't know today, to overlook the fact that their point of view may actually make you more durable to what is to come. And in that attempt to create more of the same of you, to create clones of you in drowning out the uniqueness for uniformity, you lose the creative edge because, again, it is comparative advantage that is creative. Sameness is uncreative and boring. The essence of synergy is to value the differences. It is the blend of your left logical rigid side with the open to experience right side that allows for you to find true sustaining authenticity within you. Or else you pogo stick back and forth between being a slave and serving one or the other, this left or the right. At any given time, you have driving forces, things leading you toward something and restraining forces keeping you away from it. And no matter how much you strive and drive alone, towards what it is that you are looking to achieve in your life, inevitably you will encounter people, resistance, forces you must overcome. And especially in the course of relationships, your driving forces will meet a point of limiting returns unless you can learn to collaborate and synergize and create a way together through by regulating the resisting forces against your driving forces because you can only go so far with your driving forces. You must manage the resisting forces. 
And that happens when people themselves are involved. The resisting forces, the people in those forces are actually involved and participate in coming up with a solution. Only when they are immersed and feel safe that you are both on the same side of the table, heading towards shared goals and shared opportunities in a shared world. Only when each person's, each individual, unique perspective is incorporated and in contribution to the whole. Only then can you sidestep negative energy. You can look for the good in others and utilize that good as different as it may be to improve your point of view and expand your perspective. And then the fruits of your collaborative efforts let you access an alternative not available to either party alone reality. And in your creation, in your understanding of each other, in your seeing of each other's uniqueness, you push the world forward. 